Welcome to Christian Life Assembly Online. We are so glad that you were able to join us. We hope you enjoy the message this week from Pastor Jim Poirier. For more information, please visit our website at www.clawinnipeg.org. Or if you have a prayer request, please email us at prayer at clawinnipeg.org. Turn with me to Luke chapter 7, verse 1 to 10. I want to speak today on a message I've entitled Active Faith and Miraculous Wonders. And uh, Aaron Moss wrote these words, and I want to quote them. I think they're quite interesting. He said, why do bad things happen to good people? Why is this world so unfair? Please don't tell me we can't understand God's ways. I'm sick of hearing that. I want an explanation. Are you sure you want an explanation? Do you really want to know why the innocent suffer? I think not. You're far better off with a question than with an answer. Any person with moral sensitivity is outraged by the injustices of our world. Abraham, the first Jew, asked God, should the judge of the world not act fairly? And Moses asked, why have you treated this people badly? And we still ask, why God, why? But what if we found the answer? What if the mystery were finally solved? What if we asked why and actually got an answer? If this ultimate question were answered, then we would be able to make peace with the suffering of innocence. And that's unthinkable. Worse than innocent people suffering is others watching their suffering unmoved. And that's what would happen if we were to understand why innocents suffer. We would no longer be bothered by their cry. We would no longer feel their pain because we would understand why it's happening. And if we could make sense of innocent people suffering, if we could rationalize tragedy, then we could live with it. And we would be able to hear the cry of sweet children in pain and not be horrified. We would tolerate seeing broken hearts and shattered lives, so we would be able to neatly explain them away. Our question would be answered, and we could move on. But as long as the pain of innocence remains a burning question, we are bothered by its existence. And as long as we can't explain pain, we must alleviate it. If innocent people's suffering does not fit into our worldview, we must eradicate it. Rather than justifying their pain, we need to get rid of it. So keep asking the question, why do bad things happen to good people? But stop looking for answers. Start formulating a response. And take your righteous anger and turn it into a force for doing good. Redirect your frustration with injustice and unfairness and channel it into a drive to fight injustice and unfairness. And let your outrage propel you into action. When you see innocent people suffering, help them. Combat the pain in the world with goodness and alleviate suffering wherever you can. We don't want answers, we don't want explanations, and we don't want closure. We want an end to suffering and we dare not leave it up to God to alleviate suffering. He's waiting for us to do it. That's what we are here for. Interesting. I'd never really thought of it from that perspective before. And the reality is, the reality is, there's always going to be questions we have, and 
And we may not have answers. We may not. And so, as we look at this passage of Scripture this morning from Luke chapter 7, I want to read, first of all, verse 1 to 6. And it says, When Jesus had finished saying all these this to the people who were listening, he entered Capernaum, and there a centurion's servant, whom his master valued highly, was sick and about to die. And the centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him, This man deserves to have you do this, because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. And so, so Jesus went with them, and he was not far from the house, and the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. And so Jesus had been uh, speaking, preaching, sharing, likely the Sermon on the Mount in this particular location. And not far from there was Capernaum, just down, uh, down the shore from there. And uh, this incident, it's incident takes place. And so we have this story of a man who was of, of stature. He was a man who was respected. He was a man who had a good reputation, so much so that the Jews were concerned about him. They cared about him. Now, Capernaum was Jesus' adopted home, and the story is focused around two main characters, the centurion and his slave, his servant. And so the, the man was sick, and commentators would say that uh, likely it was some kind of a form of rheumatic fever. Uh, he would be in great pain. There would be risk of paralysis, and, and it could affect his heart, and ultimately this servant could die. But Jesus had gained a pretty good reputation as a healer, as a good physician, as a great physician. His reputation went before him. And so these Jewish elders got to Jesus. And as they were talking about this centurion, they had nothing but good to say about him. He was good to the Jews. He was uncircumcised, and yet some would speculate that he worshipped with them. He built their synagogue. He cared for them. He was just. He was fair. He was kind. He was good. Another interesting aspect of this story is he was a centurion but he was also a really compassionate man because where his compassion laid and where his concern laid was not for himself it was for his servant or some would say a slave he valued this person he was concerned about them he cared about them and so I want you to just picture this, if I could paint a, a picture of who this person was, that, that he was a leader, he was successful, he was respected, he was fair, he was just, he was, he was humble, he was kind, and he was, he was compassionate. And this trouble came on his household, as it does on any one of us. 
And my first point this morning is that goodness does not guarantee a trouble-free life. Now, we all make mistakes. I think if, if you've been a parent, you would look back and say, I, I did a lot of things wrong, made a lot of mistakes. As we live our lives, we, we would also say, I, I've made mistakes, I've made bad choices, there's been times I've absolutely blown it, I've said the wrong thing, I've done the wrong thing. We all do. Because we're human. And that's part of our experience as people, to get things wrong. But there are also times when we get things very right. And we try to live a righteous life. We try to live for God. We try to be obedient. We try to be faithful. And we experience things in life that are hard and difficult and tragic. And the writer of Ecclesiastes in chapter 8, verse 14, questions that. He said, there's something else meaningless that occurs on earth. Righteous men who get what the wicked deserve and wicked men who get what the righteous deserve. Yeah, we've experienced that. We know what that's like. We know how that feels. And then we look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 45. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends the rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. The sun shines on the good, the bad. The rain comes to the good, the bad. And so there are often times in our lives when, when it does not make sense what may be happening in our lives. And certainly this centurion was not deserving. His slave was not deserving of what was going on. But it happened. And a crisis of faith can occur in any one of our lives at any time if we have these thoughts. That our goodness insulates us from hardship. And you can write that word down, insulates us. Our goodness insulates us from hardship. Another crisis of our faith can happen when we believe that our hardship is God's judgment. That somehow he's angry with us. Somehow he's disappointed with us. Somehow he's punishing us. There are times when God will certainly discipline us. The Bible's clear on that. And the third, the third thing that can cause a crisis of faith is if we believe the lie that God doesn't care. He's not listening. He's not hearing. He's not present. He's indifferent. Now, I've walked through some of those things. And I'm sure many of you have too. Where we've had those questions. When we've looked back at our lives and said, I've, I've really tried to live for God. Why is this happening? I've really tried to be faithful. Why am I going through this? And the fact of the matter is, the sun does shine on the righteous and the wicked. The rain comes on the righteous and the wicked. And sometimes 
we have these unexplainable bad things that happen to godly people. And so, what do we do? Have confidence in Jesus. So we look at verse 7 and 8. It says, That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes. And that one, come, and he comes. And I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. So he's used to people obeying him. And when Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd, following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. And then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. I don't know what happened here. Found the servant well. So have confidence in Jesus. So the, the centurion certainly professed a confidence in Christ. He didn't need a sign. He didn't need a handkerchief. He didn't need a lot of hoopla. He just believed that Jesus could say the word and a servant could be healed. And he understood the power and authority that Jesus had. He understood those things. He understood what it was in his own life to be able to give an order and have that order passed down and executed. And so he understood that Jesus had that same kind of power, that same kind of authority to do much more than he could ever accomplish. To command sickness to leave a body, to command a young person, to command a slave, a servant, to be healed, to be raised up, to be spared, to be given back life. He believed that. And we have seen and we have the revelation of God's word and and we have the teaching of God's word and we have opportunities to come to the Lord and to pray. Let us believe it too. Let us come with the same kind of confidence. And I think oftentimes we, we don't have that confidence because we're relying and we have so much other things that we can rely upon. We're good doctors. We have a great medical system. We have, we have money. We have cash. We, we can buy prescriptions. We can buy medications. We can do all of these kinds of things. We need to have that same kind of faith as a centurion. Jesus can heal. That same kind of dependence. So I ask us the question, what is your understanding of the power of Jesus? Do we have confidence that Whatsoever we ask, we shall receive. And there's different outcomes, possible outcomes that we can have in prayer. We can hear uh, from God and he might say, yes, I'll answer that prayer. He might say, no, I'm not going to answer that prayer. That would not be good for you. It would not be good for you. It's a dumb prayer. I'm not going to strike your neighbor dead because he parked his old truck in front of your house. I'm not going to do that. That's not a good prayer. And sometimes God says, wait. Not right now. And so we wait. And so at the end of the day, we see a centurion who has a great deal of trust in Jesus. And I want to encourage us today. 
to have that same trust. To have that same trust. We look back at Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 4. He is the rock. His works are perfect. And all his ways are just. A faithful God who does now no wrong. Upright and just is he. Think also of Psalm 145, verse 7, 17. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and loving toward all he has made. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to call on him in truth. See, we don't have answers to all the things that God does. We don't have an understanding of everything that he does. But we can believe. We can trust. We can have faith. We can trust his authority and his power. We can trust him. The uh, third point I want to make is the positive outcome of faith. I'm just kind of troubled by this PowerPoint, but whatever. Positive outcome of faith. And we're going to look at Luke chapter 7, verse 9 and 10. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd, following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. And then the men who had sent, been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. I like that. When Jesus, when Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. He was amazed. In today's terms, we might say when Jesus heard this, he, he was blown away. He couldn't believe it. That this guy would have that kind of faith. He was amazed at him. He heard this strong profession in faith. He heard a humble man declare, Jesus, there's nothing you can't do. Jesus, I understand authority structures. I understand what it was to tell people to do stuff. And I believe that you can tell my servant to be well. I believe you can tell the sickness to go. I just, I just believe it. I just know it's true. He had an amazing faith. And you and I can have an amazing faith. You and I can have a faith... And wouldn't it be wonderful if we could have a faith that amazes Jesus? I think Jesus would be pleased with that. I think Jesus would look for that. I would love to be one that could amaze Jesus with my faith. When we think of faith, we think of, we've got to think about Hebrews chapter 11. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This man was sure, sure. 
He hoped his servant would be well. He was sure that Jesus could do it. Verse 6. And without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe and believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. He had an amazing faith. The exercise of our faith brings extraordinary results. There's going to be answers to prayer that, that come and we may not... We may not see the answers in our lifetime. I think of, of my own grandmother praying for my uncles when she died. They weren't really professing the Lord. They weren't walking with the Lord. And she prayed that every one of them would be saved. She died about 50 years ago. And each one of my uncles, at the time of their death, was right with Jesus. She prayed and the answers came. She didn't live to see them, but the answers came. See, God is faithful. And so it says in the Bible that they returned to the house and found the servant well. And although a good life does not guarantee a trouble-free life, we can certainly live a life where we have great faith, amazing faith, and God will answer prayers. We serve a Savior who sees our faith and sees our trust. And when life happens, I pray that we would have amazing faith. When things in life take place, when stuff happens, when, good thing, when bad things happen to good people, we have Jesus. We have Jesus. And I want to encourage you with that. I want to encourage you to trust Him. I want to encourage you to to count on him, to rely on him, to depend on him, to, to look to him, to just believe. No matter what the problem is, no matter what the circumstance may be, to just simply believe. And God hears and answers prayer. I really believe he does. So how do we respond to this? Don't let... Times when you have been confused, when you've been disappointed, when you've not understood God's ways, to impair your ability to trust and to believe and to ask. When you have no answers but only questions, don't let those questions go without meeting Jesus. Trust and believe. Trust and believe. Let's bow in a word of prayer, shall we? Some of you are here this morning and you're going through some stuff. I just want to encourage you to trust and believe. Trust and believe. Put your faith and your trust in Jesus. When you have exhausted all of your own personal resources, when you've done all that you can do, trust and believe. When there's nothing left in your hands to fix the problem, to fix the situation, would you trust and believe? And so, we pray. Lord, you see my problem. You see the situation. 
see the thing that's on my heart, the thing that's troubling me, the thing that's causing me anxiety and fear. When my life feels overwhelmed, when I don't know what the answer is, I trust you. I believe in you. You have the power and the authority and the ability and the willingness to heal and to provide, to intervene in my situation, in my kid's situation, in my spouse's situation, whatever it is. Lord, I declare my belief and my trust in you. In Jesus' name. I pray, Lord, that I would have a a faith that amazes you. I pray that that's what my faith would be like. That I trust you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to Christian Life Assembly's Message of the Week. Be sure to check us out at clawinnipeg.org for more information.